Scott, who is the founder of Inner City Chic. Portia is so passionate about what she's doing, and you're going to love getting to hear her story. This conversation is split into two parts, and you're listening to part one. Hi, Portia. It's so great to talk to you. Hi, Alexa. We're so, so excited. Nice to you. We're so excited to have you on um, and to get to hear a little bit more about Inner City Chic. Um, so my first question was, what was your inspiration to start this nonprofit? So Inner City Chic was birthed through a prayer. About a year ago, I was on my way to my neighborhood juice bar um, to get a smoothie. And I was talking to my barista and I noticed that she lost some weight. So I was like, hey, skinny mini, what diet are you on? Because girl, I need to go on a diet. And she started laughing and she was like, Portia, I wish I could tell you that I was on a diet. But truth be told, she's like, I've been really stressed out. And, um, you know, I financially just not in a great place. Um, I'm getting ready to leave from where I'm currently living and I'm about to go into a women's shelter. And I said, what? Like I was taken aback. Um, And what shocked me, I think even more so is I know her because we go to the same church or we used to go to the same church. She no longer lives um, in New York where I'm from. And I was just so shocked because I'm like, I see you more times than not every Sunday practically. And I would have no idea that you're struggling in this Mm -hmm. capacity. And she had explained to me that, you know, I had said to her, I said, what do you need right now? What can I help you with? Like my heart just felt this, this pull, like I need to do something. And I said to her, I was like, do you need money? Do you need food? Like, what do you need? And she was like, honestly, I need clothes. And she had like lifted up her sweatshirt and showed me that her belt was like on the last ring. Like she Mm -hmm. had lost however many inches and her jeans were fitting her really big. And the t-shirts she had were really big. And she was like, I don't really feel confident like at work um, with wearing these baggy clothes. Yeah. And I was just so, when I tell you my heart was so heavy for her. And so I said to her, I said, how long are you going to be here? And she was like, I get off in an hour. I said, I'll be right back. So I went home. It was about a five or so minute walk. And I, anyone that knows me, they know that I'm a fashionista. I love shopping, like absolutely love it. And I went in my closet and I just started pulling clothes that I think would fit her. Um, I started at first, I'm like, I think this will fit her, this will fit her. And then it went from me pulling clothes to, ooh, this pocketbook. I haven't worn this in a while. She could use this. Oh, what about this jewelry? Like I ended up putting this huge TJ Maxx bag together filled with stuff for her. And so I went back to the juice bar and I said, hey, I have some stuff in here. I said, you know, it was a mix of clothes that I had already wore that were gently worn and some new stuff with tags on it. Because I, again, like shopping for me has always been escapism. I'm having a stressful day at work. I can go to Zara and I'm like happy place, right? And then I would buy things and I noticed that about a third of my closet happens to be clothes that I just never wore. And maybe the time that I bought it, I had every intention to wear it. But a couple of weeks go by, months go by. If I didn't wear it then, most likely I'm probably not going to wear it. So I used to just give stuff away to friends. And the irony behind it was the timing. If I would have 
happened to have this conversation with her a week prior. I had just donated like two huge bags of clothes um, to an organization called St. Mary's Church in Brooklyn. And so I remember at this point, like everything in my closet was, I'm like wearing this stuff now. Like I loved it and or I was wearing it. And in that moment, it didn't matter. It was like, what do I have that will fit her right now? And so I went to the juice bar, gave her the bag. And I said, this is just to kind of, for now. I said, if you don't like it, feel free to give it away. And she started crying. And she was like, Portia, I can't believe that you went into your house in your closet, took your own clothes to give me. I said, stop, that's not even like the point. I said, how, I was just so shocked. Like, how did I not know this was going on? And then it just made me think about how many other women do we see every day that experience things that we don't necessarily, you know, know. They, they hold it in or they're going through this place of just the motions of life. Mm-hmm. And as a result, we smile, we say, hi, and how, how are you? And how many times people give that, oh, I'm fine, I'm okay. But they're really not. And so I remember saying to her, I'm like, well, if there's anything you don't like, give it away. And she was like, you're one of the most stylish people I know. Like, I know I'm going to like this stuff. And that made me laugh. (laughs) And um, I remember I left there and she was just very heavy on my heart. Um, And I ended up calling up a friend of mine who is a rat similar in terms of size and style to me. And I called her up and I said, hey, I said, uh, I have this um, friend that I think is someone that I want to connect you with. Um, I said, she's going through some stuff right now and she could really use some clothes. I said, by chance, did you do like any summer cleaning? Cause it was, it was summer almost getting into fall. And she said, Portia, actually, I was getting ready to do some uh, cleaning in my closet. She's like, let me see what I could find. What size is she? And I told her, and my, this friend also happens to work with young people. And I just felt like in my spirit, I'm like, I feel like I need to get these two connected because I know that she could at least speak to her and encourage her where she is. And so I ended up connecting them via text message. They got together and I believe my friend had like took her, they went to like lunch and then I think she took her shopping. It was something like that as well. And um, I went home that night and I was praying for this young lady. And I am a woman of faith. And so as I was praying for her and I was just saying to God, I'm like, there has to be more that I can do. And I was journaling as I was praying. And as clear as day, Inner City Sheik was literally of God vision. Like I was journaling and, and God said, she's going to be the first of many women that you reach. And here's how you're going to do it. And I just started writing and it was pop-up shop. Like I had these like very specific words. I saw literally the vision in my mind. I'm a visionary. And as a creative, when you see something and it's very crisp in your mind, it, it begins to, you see it as if it's something that you actually like went to. And so I saw this space and it was like an all white space. And I saw the clothing racks going around the space and I saw this very minimalist look in what looked like a warehouse. And it was this notion that 
how can I reach other women like her? And who are the women, where do you find other young women like her? Yeah. Um, and I just thought about like the communities that are overlooked. Mm-hmm. Coming from an inner city myself, I'm originally from Brownsville, Brooklyn, which is one of the most not so positive places in, in Brooklyn. Um, I believe it is the second after a community in the Bronx that's considered one of the, the worst neighborhoods um, in terms of violence. And um, it's, it was something that I always felt like I wanted to do something for my community. I always knew that. I just didn't know in what capacity I would do that. Sure, yeah. Uh, and so as I started to just journal and literally just every detail came to, came to life, it was like, okay, I know I wanna do a pop-up. I know that I wanna be able to give clothing to girls. Cause I thought about it and I said, how many more people like me have a third of their closet that's just sitting there? Yeah. That either they give it away or I used to thrift too. Like I'd be like, okay, I have some really cute stuff when we try to thrift it. And it wasn't really like, I had no business buying all those clothes anyway. So why am I gonna go back to thrift it? Whereas with this, the excitement that I had, knowing that I was gonna give it to someone that can use it and hopefully she'll, you know, like if she, fashion is a universal language. Sure. And I think what was so like, aha, light bulb moment for me when this idea came to life was that fashion is something that I never realized for me was didn't ever felt like a luxury because I was always able to be able to you know go shopping and choose the things that I want but in a situation like this where you don't have but you need you often have to take what you get So I think it was imperative for me to create an experience where these young women will get that same experience that myself or someone who can go into their favorite store will get Mm -hmm. without having to worry about, well, I can't afford this or think that they don't have access to quality clothes again, because they're not in position to say, Hey, if I have to decide, I might only have $25 for the week. And yeah, I might want to go shopping, but that $25 might be the only thing that I have to feed me this week. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go spend it on clothes. Um, and so at Inner City Chic, like our mission is to empower young women by providing them access to quality clothes for free. That's awesome. Yeah. Tell me, um, so you have this, you know, sort of vision and idea for for the nonprofit and for the organization tell me a little bit about how it developed and then you recently had your first pop-up experience so tell me um, how it's grown since then sure so once I knew like again like this this journal I call it it's like my it's like a prayer dream journal I feel like all the really good ideas that happen to come to mind when I'm praying I just put it in there Um, I knew that this was going to, because I remember thinking about it and I'm like, this has to be something that is going to give back. So it needs to be a nonprofit. Um, I knew that it couldn't be something where it was going to be like, 
there's so many people that said, oh, this would have been an amazing business. Why don't you charge them? I was like, no, that's not, that's not what God gave me. Not your purpose. I remember the name. I'm like, okay, I need a name. What am I going to call this? And I was just had keywords that I had jotted down. Like, I'm like, okay, it has to do with fashion. It has to do with women. You know, it's a pop-up experience. Like, do I want to, what words do I want to play off of? Mm-hmm. Um, professionally, I work in marketing and events. And so my, you know, advertising and marketing brain was just going off with all these ideas. And I think I was making it more complex than it needed to be. And I was like, I stopped because I was feeling overwhelmed with my thoughts. And I was like, all right, God, if this is, this is your thing, what do you want me to call it? And I just remember sitting there and it was like, I had wrote down her and I was like, I'm going into inner cities for her inner cities. And it was like, boom, in her. And I looked at the word inner Mm-hmm. And I saw in her and I was like, no freaking way. And that's how I knew I'm like, this is straight God. There's no way that I could have came up with that. And so uh-huh. I'm like, okay, if this, I'm like, there's, I said, someone has to have this name. And I remember I started Googling, looking up and it in her city did not exist. Inner city chic did not exist. And so went to GoDaddy and I bought my domain. There you go. And once I bought the domain, I'm like, oh, it's official. I have to do this now. And so I bought the domain. And then the next step was, I don't know how to start a nonprofit. How, what, like, where do I begin? Yeah. Again, Google University. I started Googling, like, how do you start? Like, what type of lawyer? Where do I find one? And I literally went down this rabbit hole that gave me so much anxiety. I've been there. Yeah. (laughs) Is right. It's like, where do I start? Where do I begin? Oh my gosh. Ah. And then you get into this place that a friend of mine, uh, had called it it's like paralysis analysis you just get stuck mm. and so when I got had that moment I was like I need to take a step back like this is this is too much for me and I said okay what do you have Portia that you can leverage now like something that I've learned in all of my experiences is that whenever we're called to do something that we're supposed to do we already have provision for it hmm Meaning you have what you need and it's in front of you, but do you notice that it's in front of you? And so one of my, I would say, largest assets is probably the community of people, friends, uh, peers, colleagues, family members that I have. And I said, who do I know that is an attorney? I'm going to ask them what path, like what from their expert opinion, should I be doing first? And so I reached out to a friend of mine who was an attorney and I was like, hey, I have this idea to do this nonprofit. And he was actually the first person that I shared uh, the very high level vision with it, like vision. And again, it was just a couple of keywords. It was my notebook. It was like, all right, God told me to do it. I have a name and this is what it's supposed to look like. And it really wasn't fleshed out yet. And when I said it to him, he literally started to like, it was so weird. It was like, it came to life for him. And he goes, have you thought about this? He was like, the clothes is great, but you know, you have to make it more about the clothes. I was like, yeah, it is more about the clothes. I said, it's about the the woman. Mm -hmm. I said, it's letting her know that the clothes are just the, that entry point of her building her confidence. Yeah. But it's letting her know that she is more than the clothes that she wears. Yeah. And so 
when we talked, I said, can you do this for me? Can you like do the whole 501c3 status? And he was like, I'm not that type of lawyer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can you try? I said, you have more expertise <laughs> than I do. Please. <laughs> right? And he goes, honestly, like he was like, I just, I do corporate. It's a very different Porsche. He goes, um, but let me see who I can ask. So then while he was going to get back to me, I reached out to another friend who I know started a nonprofit asked her like, hey, what did you do? She started hers like years ago. And I remember, I don't know, I think I went into this expecting I was gonna get a lot of like hand-holding help. And mm-hmm. that wasn't the case. Yeah. And now back at it, I realized that I, it was all a part of God's plan for me to realize that it wasn't about me. Like I cannot, any, every little aspect from how I got my first venue for the pop-up to how I'm about to tell you how I ended up working with the attorneys that I'm working with for the 501c3 to um, how the girls were selected. Everything was so strategic and so like bigger than me. Like I can't take credit for it. And that just confirms that this is something that I'm supposed to do Uh because even though I may not know how I'm going to take that next step, it's having the faith and having the, um, that following that instinctual feeling to just move. Yeah. And when you move and you put your feet to what you have faith in, you're going to see the fruit of that being produced. So with the friend who was like, look, I don't do this type of law. And then the friend with the nonprofit who was like, Hey, I did this so long ago. The person I worked with, she doesn't even live in the state of New York anymore. I can't really tell you like, I just like it, it, it just kind of seemed like I was stuck. Yeah. And I was frustrated and I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this right now. And I was about to like, just put this as an idea to do in the future. And then I felt that feeling in my stomach again, like, no, keep going. Uh-huh. And then a couple of days later, I reached out to the same attorney friend. I said, are you sure you can't do this for me? He was like, let me ask somebody at my company because he works at a really huge law firm. He was like, I'm going to find out if they know someone they can refer me to for you. And then he gets back to me and says, hey, I found out we have an incubator program where we select a certain number of individuals that are starting nonprofit, they're nonprofit founders. And the um, my law firm will do their entire 501c3 process for free in this incubation, incubation program if they're selected. He goes, they only choose a certain number a year. I'm not sure if they've reached their quota, but at best I will put you in contact with the woman that oversees the program. I was like, oh my God, you're amazing. He connects me to her. We have email exchange. She wanted me to share again, high level, what's the vision, et cetera. I sent it to her. She scheduled a call. We talked. She fell in love. She said, this is freaking amazing what you're doing. She goes, I'm going to connect you with the two um, partners that oversee this division. And you're going to walk them through this the way you walked me through it. And she was like, and let's see what happens. And so I have my call with them and I'm pretty much, you know, pitching this vision, this idea. Um, And again, all I literally had at this point was what I had jotted in my notebook. And it all ended up piecing together without me realizing, like I had the mission statement, not realizing it was the mission statement. 
I had the operation model without realizing that's what it was. Like, I didn't know the technical terms from like a business lens, but I had those pieces already. So when they were asking me, I was able to answer these questions without hesitation. And at the end of the call, they said, we think this is phenomenal what you're doing. We're excited to be working with you. And so it started that way. Funny enough, because I was nervous and I was like, all right, God, just in case this doesn't come through, let me see if I should, you know, try to contact another lawyer. And I had, was put in contact with another attorney and something about the conversation just didn't feel right. Like it wasn't, it wasn't nothing with the attorney. It was just something in my spirit was just like, you're not supposed to go down this path. And I remember the fees were crazy expensive. It was like start, it was like $3,500 for the 501c3 part. But then if you wanted to, um, cause I wanted to potentially either trademark the name, it was something else. And all I know, it was like at, at least five grand. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't have that. That's a huge barrier. Yeah. Right. I'm like, this was something that literally just, it wasn't like I planned this, mm-hmm. this was really quick. Here's this idea. You're going to move. You got to move quickly. Um, and so we, so that was a milestone getting into this incubator program mm-hmm. and we are almost, I feel like we're 90% of the way complete with it. So it's officially an incorporation. Um, my board members and I are, are signing um, consent for the bylaws. And then once that happens, then we file for 1023, which in legalese is basically that final step of um, with the federal uh, government and the state. And once they review and it's all said and done, we will officially be a 501c3 operating in New York. Um, but this is a organization that is going to be global. And that was the vision. It cool. was do this and you're going to start in Brownsville, Brooklyn, and then you're going to branch out into very specific inner city communities.